for many churches this past week, uh, Sunday was regarded as All Saints Sunday. Time to recall the names of those who died in the past year. Last Thursday, Tuesday night, Bob, as has been mentioned, recalled for us the loss of Jonathan Daniels. A significant story, a good friend, a martyr to the faith. It was also a week when we buried Colin Powell, a much admired leader and a man of faith. The Gospel for All Saints Sunday told the story of the rich man and Lazarus, a compelling story of wrong reversal. One man who had it all in life, another man who ate crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Now, one is in a wonderful place where he's cared for and fed, and the rich man cannot even get a drink of water. He's begging for Lazarus to return to warm his brothers. The story ends without a lot of hope. They have Moses, they have the prophets. They won't be convinced by somebody who rises from the dead. For those churches that didn't celebrate all saints, there was another gospel point. The day closest to uh, November the 9th. A different story. But the underlying themes are much the same. Jesus talks with his disciples about his observation. Some of the clergy of that day, apparently some of them like to put on special robes and walk the street with special pride. Have you ever taken a trip to the Holy Land and sat in the back of the bus and all the rabbis and their rabbinical students get on the bus with you? The plane. They all have hats and coats and all kinds of things. You really know what Jesus was talking about at this point. They like to sit in high places for worship. The teacher in the temple was not to know to receive any compensation for his work. But apparently, some of those clergy had figured out a way to make money in the temple. They took advantage of the widows and took their homes as their own. The people that Jesus was talking to, they knew what was going on. They saw this on a regular basis. The actual text starts with, they were delighted when he started talking at this point. Because they knew that they were being exploited as weak and helpless. But it suggests very strongly that they will pay in the end. Second story in today's gospel, the one for that Sunday, concerns a poor woman at the gate. She gives extravagantly of all that she has and cannot afford to give. She gave her all. A good friend of mine who's a biblical scholar suggests that these parables are Jesus' way of telling us how to live what to expect if we don't listen. The rich man had it all. Cannot even get a drop of water. The teacher who takes advantage of those who follow him can expect to pay a price in the end. 
my friend, Tom Blair, was teaching last week, shared the belief that we are born into a portal and live our lives in this continuum. And at some point, on the other side, this will end. We'll pass through that portal wall, and as he said Sunday, you go to sleep at one point, and you wake up at another point. And all of who we are now will be there with us when we make that passage. On a Sunday like All Saints, we hear a recounting of a good man's martyrdom and another man who lived a life of integrity. It's perhaps good to be reminded that we don't get out of this alive. Who we are today, what we did yesterday, the day before, is part of a continuum. It suggests that we come into this world with an expectation of what we're created to become. At some point, we come to a moment of reckoning. Are we living out of extravagance? Or are we being really careful? Concerned for what we can afford not to miss? As most of you know, I took a bike trip this past couple of weeks. The idea was to take a train up to Pittsburgh, which I did, with my bike. And ride out of the hotel onto the Great Allegheny Passage, <laughs> the CNO Canal, back to Virginia. Turned out to be about 240 miles of bike ride. Sleeping in a tent at night, making my cup of coffee with a quick boil. Oh, I can't tell you how good they call <laughs> An adventure. <laughs> First day, ran into a man who had decided to do the same trail. Otherwise, I was going to ride by myself, but all of a sudden, I had a new friend, Doug. Just a sideline that's not in my manuscript. <laughs> my wife was at dinner that night with her brother-in-law and sister, and she mentioned that I'd found a new friend named Doug. And her her brother-in-law was a fireman, and he said, Doug, seems like I just heard about a serial killer. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway. <laughs> On the third day, we knew uh, of riding that we were going to come to a tunnel called the Paw Paw Tunnel. It had been cut through a mountain to make the train uh, able to avoid a long trip around the mountain. It went through the mountain. But we also knew that this tunnel had been closed for repairs. We had heard, though, that some people were given permission to ride through. So we rode to the Pawpaw Tunnel, rode in 2,000 feet in this dark, damp, scary place, pedaled to light at the end of the tunnel, only to be told by the engineer that it really was closed. <laughs> to their rock slides. They had let some people through before, but now they could. She suggested that we take the shortcut over the mountain hmm. instead of the longer route around. We'd gotten there at 5 o'clock, it was already dark. So back to the entrance of the pawpaw and up the side of this mountain. It was a freshly cut, 
rocky trail that seemed to go straight up. It was not possible to ride. In fact, I could not push my bike up the side without taking the saddlebags off in the back of the bike. And then, so I would then push the bike up and I'd have to go back and get the saddlebags <laughs> up. My heart rate went up with all these trips. I started telling myself, just take 21 steps and you can take a break. You can breathe. Well, I don't know where the 21 steps came from, but it seemed to work. And we each made it over the mountain and held on for dear life as we slid down the other side to the bottom. It was a three hour trip to cover two miles. <laughs> we got to camp. We cooked some dinner and fell into our tents in a deep sleep. We got there obviously late, and we didn't even know what the campsite looked like. But the next morning, we woke up to a beautiful sight right on the river. A nice reward for a hard ride. I've had a number of long bike rides in my lifetime. It's the adventures like this one that I remember. They began with my granddaddy Billy had given me an exceptionally nice bike when I was six years old. A blue swim. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was the epitome of luxury. Long gone. But the bike I ride now is a blue bike as well. There's nothing like an adventure to give meaning to life. Tonight, we recall the lives of people who lived their lives to the fullest. Jonathan Daniels putting himself in front of that woman. Colin Powell listening to the people that talked at his funeral about all the things that he had meant to them. So proud to be an Episcopalian at that point, even though I'm only through. <laughs> the cathedral did it right. We hear the call of Jesus to live our lives extravagantly, to give all that we have to give, to pay attention to everything that surrounds us, to put ourselves completely into life, to search for our purpose our reason for being here, to risk becoming what we're each called to become. All the others gave away what they will never miss. That widow gave extravagantly what she could not afford. She gave her all, and we're called to do the same. Peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.